Well, today, if you got your Bible, I want you to turn to John chapter 21. We're going to get your Bible reading in today. We're going to cover a couple of verses today. Uh, I'm, I, didn't, I didn't think I was doing a series. This is like a little mini-series, I guess, is what it's, uh, what it's going to be. Uh, yesterday, uh, last week, I spoke a message called uh, Lessons from the Gap. And we just talked about how God uh, really revealed himself in a powerful way in the gap between Passover and Pentecost, the time where Christ died on the cross and at the time of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But it was a time of transition. It was a time of uh, uh, where the disciples were kind of not being like very discipled. They didn't really know where they were standing. They were many times filled with fear. They didn't know exactly what the next, next step was going to look like. But all while they were in this, this wonderful time of transition and uncertainty, God was moving. And so it's in this time that I actually believe many people in our church find themselves in a transition. Transition is, uh, uh, it means a lot of things to a lot of people. Uh, transition to a pregnant woman, man, I tell you, it means something very specific. What does a, what does a pregnant woman, all the, all, my, all the men in here are looking at me confused. <laughs> While you were in the lobby sipping coffee when your kids were coming, <laughs> she went into transition. And transition, what you do in transition is what, ladies? <laughs> I like that. Scream. You scream. <laughs> yes. Yes. You do. You do. That's true. That is true. I was thinking push. <laughs> uh, screaming and pushing usually come together. But when you're transitioning, that baby is coming. And, and, and that's kind of a painful moment. You may be prepared for it, but it's a painful moment. But one thing that you can't do, up, do while you're in transition is give up. You cannot give up. It's time to say, you know what? I've got to find a strength I didn't know I possessed to get this thing that you did to me, honey, out of me. <laughs> I never heard that once. I heard it five times. Um, <laughs> and, so, and so when you're in transition, here's what you need to know, church. When you're in a time of uncertainty, when you feel like, man, I, I'm not where I used to be, but God has taken me somewhere in this gap time, you don't quit. Because God's going to teach you a lesson. He's going to teach you something about himself that carries you into your destiny. It's going to carry you into your purpose. It's going to carry you into what God really has for you. And so we're going we're gonna to take uh, uh, some time and, and go back to a great moment of transition for the disciples, and specifically Peter today. And look at this encounter from John 21, verses 1 through 19, and learn a few lessons from the gap about Jesus. It says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. This is the Sea of Galilee. Tiberias is right on Galilee. It said, In this way, he showed himself, Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana, in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, two other of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. 
They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into their boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, this is John speaking, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the disciples came in the little boat, for they're not far from land, about 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, notice these words, and we'll get back to this, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. And Simon Peter went and dragged the net to the land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, knowing it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to, to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to, to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you that when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where, you're with, where, where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Now, there is uh, uh, some wonderful lessons in the gap to learn. And today we're going to learn some lessons about Jesus. We need to understand what is God up to when we find ourselves in a moment of transition. What is God doing? Because mostly we're not aware of what God is doing. We are simply uh, reaching for what we should be doing or what we feel like we should be doing. And we begin to reach and we begin to, to kind of search for meaning when we're in transition. And I know that many of you find yourself at this place in life. You're like, God, what is the purpose of this moment where I'm grateful for what you've done in my life, but I don't feel like I'm where uh, I need to be. Years ago at a men's conference at uh, University of South Florida, T.D. Jakes spoke a message there called Breaking the Spirit of Failure. And what he addressed in the lives of men was this. 
He said, men are more comfortable with failure than transition. Because when you failed, at least you know where you stand. And it exposed something. That there is a comfort in the certainty, even if that certainty is failure. And yet God wants to walk us through a transition into our destiny. And you don't just arrive one day after the next. He takes you through a process. And it's in this process that we have to learn to trust God rather than ourselves. Now, let's find out what we can learn about Jesus in the gap. What is God doing when we're in transition? First lesson about Jesus is this. Jesus finds us. Jesus finds us. Here we find in the story that Simon Peter says, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we're going with you also. By the way, there will always be people who will walk with you in your dysfunction. You will always find company to take the wrong road with. There'll always be somebody that shows up. But if you want to go the right way, that might be a narrow road. That might be a lonely road. That might be an all-by-yourself road. But going the wrong way or going a fleshly way, there'll always be company. Simon Peter said to him, I'm going fishing. He said, we're going also. They went out and immediately got in their boat, and that night they caught nothing. They're fishermen by trade. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Oh, I love this. Here these guys are in transition. They've been in fear. They've actually, they've, you know, they've, they've already experienced some of the resurrection. They've experienced some of the miracles. And, and, and the, you know what? They're transitioning. They're waiting. Another day goes by. Another day goes by. And Peter's like, that's it. I can't wait another day. I'm just going back to what I know how to do. I'm going fishing. And he finds some people that say, all right, yeah, I'm giving up too. I'm going back. I'm going back. And I love this about Jesus. They've been out fishing all night. And he walks right to where they are. He walks right to where they are. Have you ever had Jesus just walk right up in the middle of your mess? Yes. Did you know that Jesus loves to walk right up in the middle of your mess? Or did you think that Jesus only comes in the good room of your house? No, he walks right up in the middle of our mess. He knows right where to find us. And Jesus usually finds us in the familiar. Because that's what we do. We're in transition. We're trying to figure out the next step. God, what's my destiny? And I'm waiting. I think I've got some promises from the past. I'm waiting on those things, but it's not coming to pass in my time. So I'm just going back to the familiar. I'm going back to what I know. I'm going back to what I'm comfortable with. And that's where Jesus shows up and finds us. We're not seeking his face. We're seeking the familiar. And however, Jesus, in our seeking the familiar, shows up with his face. A revelation of who he is. 
Now, I want to give you a very graphic scripture, and if, if this offends you, take it up with God. <laughs> Proverbs 26, 11 says this, as a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. That's graphic, isn't it? How many of you have ever tried to stop your dog from eating their vomit? Or worse. How many of you have ever tried to stop your dog from eating another dog's vomit? I know that's gross. I know that's disgusting. But this is the picture of what Jesus walks into. This how, how you were repulsed from that image, Jesus says, I'm attracted to it. Because if that's where I have to find you, I'm coming to find you. If you're wanting to go back to your folly after having experienced the goodness of God, God may even let you try it out for a couple of days. He may let you go all night in your searching for satisfaction and then come and stand on the shore and say, hey, kids. Hey, kids, I'm right here. Coming to find you. I love this about Jesus because this wasn't the first time he did it. We find out in this passage, in verse 14, it says this. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Not the first time. Not even the second. This is the third time. So I wonder if there isn't somebody under the sound of my voice today who thought that God was done with them. When you failed and you walked away. And you went back to your folly. And you went back to the familiar. I just got good news for you today. There's a Savior standing on the shore of your brokenness. When you're, when you're going back to your brokenness and you're saying, I'm just searching for some meaning and yet I'm not finding it. He's saying, hey, kids, I know right where to find you. And I've come to find you not once, not twice, but here I am a third time to find you again. And I just want to let somebody know today, you may have felt disqualified in your walk with God. You may feel like disqualified from God ever using you again. But let me just tell you, if God had to chase his own disciples down after training them for three solid years. I know you think that three weeks with Jesus would have changed your life, but these guys, three years, and they're still walking away. I want to tell you today, Jesus is coming to find you in your folly because he wants to do a work in your life as he is transitioning you from who you used to be to who he wants you to be. I love this passage. The second truth that you can learn about God in the transition is this. Especially Jesus is that Jesus feeds us. 
He feeds us. Oh, I'm about to show you something. You probably just read over this. This says, then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coal there and fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have caught. Simon Peter went and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153 Although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. I love this. Because what the disciples had been looking for all night long... Jesus had already prepared. Oh, what they didn't know is while they were casting nets and bringing them in with nothing but a, but a few plants and a nothing but, but, but shells and nothing but, but uh, you know, perhaps some of the garbage that was there. Nothing, nothing in the net. All along, Jesus is tending a fire on the beach. I don't even know how he got the fish. We don't know. Probably supernatural. I mean, this was not a filet of fish, okay? This was not some McDonald's breakfast. This was Jesus. He has fire and fish and bread already prepared. Listen to me. They brought the fish they caught to the breakfast, but they didn't eat the fish they caught at the breakfast. That's not what happened. He just said, bring some of the fish here. He didn't say, hey, by the way, I'm going to cook those fish. I know some of us presume that. That's not what it says. It says, bring some of the fish here. You'll figure that out in a minute, why they had to bring the fish there. It wasn't because Jesus needed the fish. It's because they needed to bring what they had caught, but they needed to be fed by what Jesus supplied and I want to show you something today. If you have been searching, Jesus has been on the shore preparing for you what you have been searching for. He has already been preparing in his goodness and mercy the food necessary for you. You see, how does he nourish us? Well, he gives them bread. And bread in the scripture is Jesus himself, but it is also the word of God. Jesus nourishes us with the right word at the right time. You see in Isaiah 50, in this messianic prophecy where Isaiah begins to see Jesus some 700 years before he would walk the earth, he begins to hear Jesus speak of his relationship with the Father. And these are the words that Isaiah pens, hearing the utterance of the Messiah. He says, the Lord has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to 
hear as the learned. He is saying, listen... I know how to give a word in season to the weary. He says, you have been looking for satisfaction. You have been looking for, 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 uh, to, for sustenance, but I already have a word that will sustain you. I have a word that will nourish you. I've already prepared it. Anybody ever got a right now word from God? Like it was like, man, I needed that right now. There was one time when I was, uh, years ago, I was working, uh, uh, managing a store, and I was on my lunch break at an Olive Garden cafe, minding my own business. My own business. I had the spaghetti and meatball, for lunch, because meatballs, that was too expensive, and the special was spaghetti and meatball, so there I am, with my spaghetti, my meatball, my drink, and my Bible, and this is the way I spent my lunch for years, it's just me and the Lord and and reading, but there I was in this food court, and I'm eating, and I'm reading, and what I'm reading, I'm not real sure why I'm reading it. The Lord told me, I want you to go and read this, and, and, and the, the passage that I, I had just sat down, I'm just, I'm just eating this moment and slurping my spaghetti, and t- tomato sauce actually falls on the page. I didn't know God was marking this moment for me to remember it. But I begin to read the passage. I'm like, oh, no, no. And I, but I'm reading, and I look down, and this is what the, the, the scripture that my eyes fell upon. It says, a good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit and is cut down and thrown into the fire. I'm like, yeah, I got nothing, God. I don't know why you're talking to me about this. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. At that moment, As I'm slurping my spaghetti, minding my own business, me and Jesus, this really southern weirdo walks up to me. He said, hey, son, you understand what you're reading there? I'm like. I think so. Until you came up and. Started asking me questions. I don't know. He said, well, we'll see. This is, this is seriously what he asked me. He says, well, what do you think about that whole once saved, always saved stuff? <laughs> well, this says... A good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit, and a bad tree is cut down and thrown into the fire. That guy, I mean, he looks at me, and he looked as if someone had just punched him in the face. He didn't say another word. He just looked at me and walked away. I'm like, I'm like, God, could you come down here for a minute? 
what was that? What was that? I, get, I got no answer. I got no answer. But how many of you know, instead of having a theological debate, it was better to have a right now word a, for the right now moment. I don't know what he needed. And it was really weird. But God gave him exactly what he needed and marked it in my Bible, so I remember it, with spaghetti sauce. <laughs> Here's what I want to tell you. The moments in your life where you receive a word from God where he has, that he has already prepared for you, when you've been searching for meeting and searching for purpose, you've been searching for it in your own efforts, and then all of a sudden Jesus shows up and says, I've got this. Then you'll begin to understand what, what Jesus meant. We mentioned it last week. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. It's every word. You see, Jesus feeds us by his word, and we need to be like 1 Peter 2.2. 2. As newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow by, it's not what you can produce that will produce growth in your life. It is what Jesus has already prepared. And many times in life, we try to satisfy ourselves through our own pursuits, and we're left empty and exhausted. And Jesus steps in and prepares a table, sometimes even in the presence of your enemies. <laughs> Psalm 23. Your cup runs over. This is what Jesus does. He feeds us when we're in these transitional moments. He gives us his word to sustain us and to guide us. That's why last week you heard the statement, thus it was written and thus it was necessary. Why? It's necessary for life. The life he has for us. And then lastly, in the transition, Jesus finds us, he feeds us, but then Jesus frees us. Oh, this is so good. This is so good. You see, it says in verse 15 through 17, it says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. You say, what does that have to do with freedom? Well, Peter in this moment found himself anchored in an old pattern because he's attached to a broken past. He's in this old pattern of his old life because he's, he's, he's like, man, I am anchored to the brokenness even in my relationship with Jesus. I'm just going to give you a little quiz here so you can begin to understand what Peter was really dealing with and the significance of what we see in this story over and over and over again. How many times did this make it that Jesus 
had visited them. This was the which visit? Third. Third visit. How many times did Jesus ask, Simon, do you love me? How many times? How many times did Jesus affirm Peter's calling by giving him an invitation to feed his followers? How many times? I love you, dude. I love you. You're probably right. But for this message... my boy Levi back there. I love that kid. Anybody who wears shorts and boots to church is in, it's all right with me. Um, you better not try it, but he can do it. Uh, um, three times. Third visit. Three questions. Three affirmations. Why so many threes? Here's why. Because there was something bitter in his soul connected to the number three. It was Matthew 26 where Jesus had looked at this one who said, I'll die for you. And he said, Peter, listen. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me not once. Not twice, but three times. And notice what Peter's response when he realized he had done it. It says, so he went out and wept bitterly. In the Greek, the picture is loudly, profusely, from the depths of his soul. He was carrying this wound from only just a few short days ago. It was good that Jesus had risen and visited the first time. That's fine, but I denied him three times. It was good that he showed up a second time. That's good, but I denied him three times. And that denial actually, I believe, is what led Peter to say, I just need to go back to fishing. I'm not cut out for this. And I love that Jesus doesn't let him get away with that. You see, Peter denied Christ three times and Jesus confirmed his calling three times. And in this moment, Jesus was declaring, my faithfulness is greater than your failure. My faithfulness is greater than your failure. And I want, I want you to know today, you may find that you're just out trying to make some meaning of your life again. Trying to just say, well, okay, God, what do you want me to do? God, I, I know I'm, 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 I'm born again. I gave my life to you. But this whole thing, I've made a mess of it. And since I was following you, I've, I've denied you in many ways. And so I think you're kind of done with me. And Jesus in this moment is saying, listen, my faithfulness is greater than your failure. 
Jesus' word to you today is my faithfulness is greater than your failure. His faithfulness, his mercy, his grace, his steadfast pursuit of you is greater than your failure. And you need to hear the voice of Jesus coming to you today. This makes this so, so beautiful. This is, this is just so beautiful. John 8, Jesus said these words, and, and Peter was experiencing this in the real time. He says, if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. He is going to get free of this moment of cursing and this moment of denial so that he can step into what God has for him. And how did Jesus do it? First, he didn't call him Peter. He called him by what he identified himself as. He said, Simon. Jesus calls him Peter. He called himself Simon. So Jesus said, fine. If that's how I have to get your attention, Simon. And then he says something very profound. Jesus says in the Greek, he says, Peter, do you agape me? Uh, there's several words for love in the Greek. There are two different words in this passage. Jesus says, do you love me with a perfect God kind of love? And Peter's response is so honest and so raw that when he answers Jesus, it is this. Lord, you know I phileo you. In Greek, to, to English, the closest thing that you would use every day would be the city, Philadelphia. The city of what? Brotherly love. He said, you're asking me, do I love you with the perfect love that I'm called to love you with? No, I don't. I have brotherly love and kindly affection towards you. It's not quite the love that you are asking of me, but I do love you. Jesus asks again a second time. He says, do you agape me? And the second time Peter says, you know my love for you is broken. And I love that the third time Jesus says, Simon, do you phileo me? And Peter, for the first time of any of these disciples, says, Lord, you know all things. Remember, they, they didn't bring it up. They knew it was him, but didn't know it was him. He says, Lord, you know all things. You know I phileo you. He asks him, do you love me with brotherly love? He says, you know I love you with brotherly love. And what does Jesus do? This is what grace does. Grace meets you right where you are. If you are bold enough to be honest with Jesus, Jesus says, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll receive it. Even if you say, my, my love for you is obviously not what it should be. Jesus, in his grace, says, will you give me the love that you have so I can use you for the purpose I have for you? Jesus doesn't leave him in this condition. And I want to tell you today, if you found yourself much like Peter, 
in a moment of transition, in a moment of saying, God, my, my past has just led me back to focusing on the familiar. I've been trying to feed myself, and it's a fruitless pursuit. And when all along, what I really need is something from you, God. Many of us as believers, we believe that God saves us, but we don't believe he frees us. I'm here, to sell, I'm here to tell you today, Jesus wants to set you free. You say, well, how do I experience the Jesus who finds me, the, the Jesus who feeds me, and the Jesus who frees me? Here's how. It's Revelation 3. This reveals the heart of God. This is why Jesus said, Peter, you can't stay here. This is what you need to do. This is how you need to respond. Revelation 3, when Jesus was speaking to the church, he says this, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Those aren't the words of love that most of us kind of think. But he's saying, no, no, no. Rebuke means stop. Stop going that way. Chasten means listen. Sometimes you, you need to learn through pain. Empty nets. And he says, be zealous. He says, therefore, be zealous and repent. He says, turn from that. Turn from this pattern. Turn from this bondage. Turn to me. Repent. Turn to me. And then you'll hear the verse that you've probably heard quoted in many services before. Behold. means you need to see this. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Today, church, if you find yourself in a transition and you say, I don't know where, where I'm going, I, I, I feel as if I've fallen back into the familiar I'm here to let you know Jesus has come to find you today and he's come to feed you with a right now word and he's come to free you from the past so he can anchor you in your calling in him you say what do I need to do be zealous and repent it's time to leave that boat behind Leave that net behind and feed his lambs. Do what you're called to do. Live the life that Jesus has laid out for you. Live the life of influence that he has made for you. Jesus said, if you'll open the door, I'll come in. Not one time, not two times. I'll come again and again and again. And again, just open the door and I'll come in and we'll be together.